on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Knowing what you're capable of, I mean, I think, you know, we would get asked uh, three years into it, I think, and one of the guys in my power group, he's like, what are you working on? I said, oh, I'm quoting a Sam's Club, you know, giant, you know, painting and Sam's Club. He's like, what are you doing? This hit me hard too. He said, can you afford to do the job and not get paid? No. He goes, okay, then stop doing it. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> it's kind of one of those contracting things. Like you run the risk of not getting paid sometimes. And, you know, your risk is, is that. So can you afford it? You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf, I'm back gathering the Kings podcast today. I've got Scott Specker here on the Kings stage. My brother, how are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm always wonderful, though. We were just talking about how sometimes things aren't wonderful, but that's yes. okay. We still got to show up anyway. So my answer is always I'm wonderful. But the reality is, is that we got businesses, man. We got families. We got stuff. Yes. So that's what we're going to talk about here today. So Scott, tell us what kind of business that you got, brother. So I own a commercial and residential painting company in North Atlanta. We are a franchise, five-star paintings, a part of the Neighborly Group. I also own a commercial real estate company that started last year. We bought two office suites, one that five-star rents out, and I have another renter right next door. And we're looking at doing a few other things. Very cool. Very cool. Well, so a man of, of many endeavors, and I'm sure many of other things as well, but we'll get into some of that. I want to know before we get started, Scott, you've been successful, man. Like you got multiple deals you got things going on you're you're in atlanta which is a growing a crazy growing market you've been successful why are you still pushing why are you at the office today what like what do you still have yet to achieve what's your why man you know what is success i mean you know what does that mean when someone calls me successful i mean you know i remember 10 years ago when i started this there was so much fear and doubt and i still have some of that today but you know, sure. one of my friends said, you know, you're always, it's really about the journey, you know, constantly having, raising the stakes, going to the next level. We are successful. I do have a lot more freedom, which is what I looked for when I left the corporate world. So I spent 16 years in the corporate world and wow. really didn't have any control of my calendar. My client would say, Hey, let's have a meeting at five o'clock and you know, it's downtown Atlanta and okay, see you then. And I'll call my wife. All right. See you at eight o'clock, you know, yep, so that's that, right. to me, like what's that worth? And it's, I'm successful, I think, because I, I don't have to take those meetings now. I, you know, I, I kind of have control of my calendar. So that was a big part of me. You know, I think about success and, and, and why I'm here, I guess it's finding the freedom and, and providing an environment here for my people to really grow and flourish into their best self. I think we've, we did a, a massive change last year of the people that work for us. Um, and we've got some really wonderful people working for us. That's cool. Yeah, it there's a there's a shift and and maybe you can tell us a little bit more here but there's a shift at some point we call it the warrior to king stage shift you know from from selfish ambition to then man there's just so much in me that I got to give right and community obviously your team your family all that and so you buying back your time and and then now helping your team kind of do the same thing and become their best self like 
all of that is a process of you maturing into who you're designed to be. Was that like a moment that you had this realization that like, oh, it's bigger than me? Or was it a gradual course of time where you just got good people on your team and you're like, oh man, I really want to serve them. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think some of the mentors, both at, 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 at within Five Star that I've worked with, some of the guys that I, you know, we have our own little, you know, king group, if you will. We don't call yeah. ourselves that. You know, just a power group that push each other and just some of the other people in the community I've connected with that have, you know, a few statements that have kind of punched me in the gut. My company will only grow as much as I grow. That was That's like, right. that means I got to get reading, you know, got to get exercising, got to stay fresh because yeah. I can't be the same person. You know, a, a buddy of mine in Rotary said to me, you're only going to be, you're going to be the same person based on who you hang out with and the books you read. So I started reading a lot. I started hanging out with maybe different people, you know, sort of work people, if you will, or people from the chamber of commerce and stuff like that, that, you know, in a, in a day I probably wouldn't have looked their way, but now, you know, it's, it's, there are people I want to hang out with because they're, they're excited about our growth. They're excited about our company and about me as, you know, as, as a, as I guess a grown adult. Right. So we, we move out of this phase of like, Hey, I'm just trying to you know, prove myself to now all of a sudden, how do I get back to my community? That's one of the reasons why I did this as well Is I just, I felt like, you know, this great corporate job, great income, great benefits, but I didn't know anyone in my community. I knew my friends and my neighbors, but like, do I know who runs three different nonprofits in the area? Do I know who runs the hospital? Do I walk into a restaurant or an area and and people know me because of what I either get back to the community or relationships I have? The answer was no. And, you know, I knew people in Chicago, I knew people where I would travel, but it was like, okay, I live here. My kids go to school here. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're so ingrained in the community. I'm deep into my church here. I, I want to be known here. I want to be sort of a man of respect. And, you know, that was one of the things we did with the business early on was to give back. We didn't have a time, a lot of money to give back. So we gave a lot of time back and we started to commit our company to, okay, each year, we're going to give money back and give time back and, and actually do community projects where we would repaint, you know, a, a nonprofit's office or a shelter for boys and girls in the area that are homeless, you know, for free, because it just felt the right thing to do. It felt like it was our calling and yeah. it gave us purpose. It was like, Hey, yeah, we're coming to work to get a check and all that. We get that. But also, Hey, you know, you look back and say, you know what, 10 years ago, yeah, we repainted that building for free and we did that for free for that group. And, you know, that impacted people's lives. So yeah, that it just gave us meaning and it gives us purpose. So, you know, I look for new ways to do that. We partnered up with people down in Alpharetta too, that, you know, then you find these companies too, that like they have a whole purpose of, Hey, we're going to renovate people's bedrooms and bathrooms that have special needs kids at home. We're going to do it for free. You want to paint it for us? Heck yeah, let's go. You know, they're like, yeah, we can't find a painter that'll do that. I mean, it's just, you find these people that are just unbelievable. And then of course you meet the contractors that do that work. And those are the people that match your values that you want to be, you know, in business with. There's there's a, there's a a mentality there that you start running with people that are also willing to give and, and and you're, and you're like-minded at that point, or you're like valued. You have the same values to share the same, the same mindset really. And, and, and that just spurs on, like you said, with your little power group or whether it's, you know, inside of a, a, of a, a conglomerate of businesses coming together to serve a, a specific, you know, person or, or family or group. There is power in in that because even if you just met them, you you already know that you're the same, you know, person. It's just a different different story, different road, and there's a mutual respect there. And then and then a leveling up, like right. Even if you don't even really know them super well, like you step into the room and you realize that you're like, okay, 
I, I got some work to do still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny because I, you know, I, I first went to my rotary, but it was nine years ago. Someone said, you got to go to rotary. I said, okay. So I walk into rotary and it's all service above self. It's an amazing organization. I walk in and it's all like established and I'll call them gray haired white dudes. Right. And I kind of yep. look around and I'm like, I need leads. I need jobs. Like, and they were all <laughs> like, oh yeah, we're going to go volunteer here and clean up the highway here. And I'm like, I'm out. I, I got to get jobs. So I went and joined BNI for three yep. years and cut my teeth in that. And then I came back to Rotary when I could kind of hold my own. Like, yeah, That's I got right. cleaners can help here and do that. Cause I, I just couldn't, it just yeah. freaked me out. And I really feel like I had to get my game on to be like, right. all right, I'm coming in here with something. Cause I didn't feel like I was really adding anything. And now, you know, I, I love my Rotary and my attendance has been bad the last couple of weeks, but it's just a great, I'm so proud of it. It's, it's so yeah. much fun. I invite people all the time and they're just doing great things. Yeah, it's cool that you gave that distinction. I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later. One of my one of my speed round questions is around networking and masterminding, how those things are different. And you just gave a a very direct answer on what the difference is. And usually people who are in the very warrior building, you know, probably not at the million dollar mark or above, they're thinking leads, jobs, today's satisfaction, money, which is okay. Like you (laughs) you got to go through that. Yep. But I'll tell you what the the satisfaction. And also the deals, the jobs, the money that come from the relationships. That's not why you're there, but the relationships in that room, I'm sure have dwarfed what the BNI did for you just because simply it's relationships and you're not showing up to like count your referrals and like how much, how many points you got. Now that that's bad over here. It's like real deal. Like we we're going to do business together for the next 20 years. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And it led to other volunteer type groups. So they have a leadership group that I got invited to because I was in Rotary. I got asked to be on a nonprofit because of Rotary. People saw me there, got to know me. And my friend Derek always says it's relationships first. And then the business kind of comes after And you don't even have to ask for it. It just kind of comes because you're in a relationship with, with someone that is meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing the right stuff. All right. Well, let's go a little practical here. I want to hear your story and then I'm going to get into some decision-making. Tell us how you started. You said you were in corporate America and you, and you left, you've obviously been in business. Now you said 10, 11 years. How did, how did that transition go for you? Tell us the story. Yeah. So I reached a breaking point in my corporate career where I was completely miserable. I was a director of market research or director of client services for a large market research company called the Nielsen company. Everyone's heard of them called on, moved us here to Atlanta, was moved to three different cities, moved to Atlanta to call on Georgia Pacific to negotiate a big deal, which I did successfully. Then they said, great, you can now call on Coca-Cola. So, you know, huge deal calling on, you know, the world's largest marketer here in Atlanta. So at first it was, okay, you're going to be on the global side. So travel the world, which was fantastic, you know, nine continents and, you know, or nine countries and helped initiate, made great friends, just fantastic experience on the international world. And then it kind of, after that, it was, okay, now you got to go to Canada for two years and now you got to kind of manage that. And I was good at what I did and I had to kind of teach like, okay, we got to teach about service and we had a monopoly up there. So I had to teach them sort of how to, you know, respond quicker and stuff to, to the relationships. Did a great job there. Then it was all right. Now you're back in the U S and all this really wasn't like major promotions or, Hey, here's a hundred thousand in stock options or anything like that. It was just, here's your next thing. So now you got to call on downtown and you know, you have to be downtown five days a week. And I live 40 miles North and that got really old and it just, it was kind of spiraling down where I was still performing. I had, you know, good reviews, but I was like, 
this can't continue. The next level up looked kind of worse. I was a director, that was a VP, that almost looked worse. So started to, the entrepreneurship bug has always yeah. been in me. It was just a matter of when I could kind of pour the water on it to get it to grow out. So yeah, my yeah. dad started it probably. He, when I was in college, he left his corporate job. He saw the writing on the wall. He got bought. He worked for Westwood up in Buffalo, got bought by Bristol Myers Squibb. They had 18 guys back in New Jersey that did what he did in Buffalo, you know, for as one guy. So he's like, I got to get out of here. So he started his own thing in the early 90s, 91, 92, maybe. Okay. Right. And he he did. So I kind of watched that going. You okay, get to see it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That sort of set it. And then in, while in college, I wrote my own business plan to start my own business, which was a high risk business. It was an indoor rock climbing. But you know, I came out of college, didn't have any money. I probably needed forty, fifty thousand dollars and a lot of insurance to do that. Didn't have that kind of money at all. So I was like, all right, I'll I'll go into this Nielsen world and I love marketing, I love market research. So started that, which started my career there and led me down to Atlanta. But then I was like, okay, I I don't like the next level. How do I get out? So I started writing business plans, started coming up with creative ideas of yeah. starting my own business while working for someone else. So in the evenings and the weekends. I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm research. And I came up with four great ideas that I thought were great, but my yes. wife hated every one of them. And <laughs> he's kind of important. <laughs> yes. So, well, I'm glad you said that because some some guys like me at some points didn't think that way they weren't important. We just, you know, kind of skipped over that one, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and then I met with a franchise coach who sells franchises to miserable corporate guys. And he had the exact same thing she said. He goes, well... Those are partnerships, they're retail, they're high risk. Your wife's not on board. He goes, if there were 10 things you shouldn't do, you had like nine. So yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, now what am I going to do? I was 40 uh -huh. years old, got three beautiful boys at home, beautiful wife. Okay, you know, what am I going to do? So he said, basically, you need to look at a franchise. And the one question he said, too, is how long can you go without making $1? said, uh, okay, because <laughs> I need a franchise because you can quickly, you know, start making money in a proven system. So right, right. started showing me different franchises again while I was working, you know, so it was like in the evenings and I'm having these calls and I had some ideas too of some different franchises because actually a guy left Coke that started a mobile drug testing company or bought the franchise, I believe, which I thought was great. But yeah. what that really meant is that you were picking up urine from truck drivers at two in the morning. <laughs> I don't think that's me. We yeah. peel back the details here. No, not me. Then convincing someone else to go do that. Right. Here's your job. Right. Yeah. You're going to. Yeah. So no, that, that didn't work. Indoor rock climbing, or I wanted a soccer, a store and also probably be lacrosse. So I did. I was talking about that with a friend of mine, a technology yeah. sort of app company that was, would be a lot of fun, but probably not make any money. So the franchise guy said, Hey, do a personality break Meyer thing. Are you more yep. sales marketing operations type guy came back? I kind of screamed sales and marketing yep. and he started presenting me opportunities. Uh, one of those was the mobile drug testing thing. One was staffing. He thought it'd be good owning a staffing, like an express employment type yep. thing. And yeah. Five star rose up because I wanted new too. I wanted home-based. He actually did a great thing. And I would encourage any entrepreneur to do this. Actually, I encourage my boys to do this, write down what you don't want in your next yeah. thing. Yeah. right? Then that really crafts out what you want it to be. So I yeah. didn't want to travel. I didn't want an office. Um, to start, I wasn't looking at employees. I didn't really want a team to start. Eventually now I'm quite the opposite. I want, you know, as many awesome people as possible, but uh, it just fit. It was sort of transactional too. Like I was managing a very long relationship between Nielsen and, and Coca-Cola, which is like a 78 year relationship. Like 
How, how much am I going to impact that? What am I going to leave on that? Really not much. That relationship's yep. be there forever. It'll go up and down. But so I wanted something like, all right, you know, you, like painting, right? So you do this and I'll pay you this and then we're done and we shake hands and everybody's happy. Great. That sounds great. Like I need it more, a little more transactional, but also, you know, creating some sort of long-term relationship. Yeah. So, so I'm just going on, but I mean, the franchise coach really coached me through, okay, he had these calls they are called exploratory calls they are kind of highly regulated. You can only have them like once a week. So you go through that. And at one point it narrowed down just to the staffing and the painting. And a pivotal moment was when the staffing lady called me and she was wonderful. And we connected on values as well. We were praying sort of together on this and because it's a big decision. I'm, you know, I got a mortgage, I got a family. I, I can't, you know, this has to be the right thing. And she called me and she said, I just want to apologize. The territory you were offering, we were offering you just got bought by another franchise owner in another city in in the area. And he had to pay back some debts. I didn't know they were doing this. And I'm just so sorry. And we prayed together and I'll never forget it. I was in probably the 15th story of, and I was hiding in an office in Coca-Cola talking to her (laughs) and I'm praying and bawling and and just tears. My wife's on the phone. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And she said, God, please give Scott direction as to where to go. So went home uh, again, we prayed on it. And then I just woke up the next morning. I said, you know what, if it were the painting thing, I probably would have been destroyed because I was really excited about it. I I didn't have any experience in painting, by the way. So my wife looked at me like I was insane. She's like, okay, you were presenting to VPs at Coca-Cola on strategy. And now you're going to be painting. (laughs) You you know, you, you really have to give her a lot of credit for this, for having the faith that we, that, that, okay, you can do this. And cause it was totally complete left turn from what I was doing. So yeah. we, we kind of went down that route. I said, right, let's go meet those guys. And we met them. It was the, it was the creators of it and the founders and they were young and high risk and, and, you know, kind of risk takers and, and really sharp guys that came out of one of them had an MBA out of what's the school in Utah, oh. but they were fantastic. So I yeah. really connected with them and that started the journey. That's awesome. I think that, I mean, everything that you've shared is just so relatable from, I mean, whether, whether the listener had a corporate job or not, my, my story specifically relates to that. You know, I was 24 years old and already for two years going, I can't do this. <laughs> I already know I need something different and looking, looking at other options and franchising obviously was, was a very similar, you know, solution for me at that time, knowing that I had a mortgage and a and a great income that I was leaving and all that stuff. And so really what I heard you say, though, is that you needed to have something, a different vehicle that maybe right away was different, completely different, but that eventually could grow into what you said earlier, which was freedom. And And yeah, maybe it was through painting, but now it's through team building. It's the same company, but it's a different process that you personally go through every single day it's still freedom that you're after. And I think that more than anything is what the listener is like, oh yeah, I want freedom. That's why they started their business. That's why they left their corporate job. That's why whatever their story is, it's because we want freedom. We want time freedom. We want family freedom. We want financial freedom. Like what do these things look like for us? And so I just appreciate you sharing that. I want to go into like maybe that first year or two, three of business. I want you to tell me a good decision that you made that you can look back on and go, I'm so glad I did that. I would, I mean, there's a, a couple that are pivotal. I, I remember, you know, working our, I'll, I'll say two and I'll say them now so I don't forget them. One is reaching back out to the franchise consultant that recommended this craziness and saying help because we were six months in and wanting to die. Wow. And then I would say the second is hiring great people. 
So I'll go into each of those. So the fifth month in, we hit, and I had six months. So I negotiated a six months salary health benefits. So we have six months to quickly replace so I don't get kicked out of my house, right? So it's right. Like, we've got to hustle. And I'm talking 80 hours a week. You know, we didn't take vacations for two years. We did nothing but work. And my wife, I was the first salesperson and my wife was the first project manager. And we both, you know, we're just fighting because I would quote something wrong. She'd have a painter yelling at her and she's like crying me. I just want to go home. I hate this. You know, this is terrible. <laughs> so just stressed, exhausted. Yeah. So we met back up with our guy and said, hey, he's like, how's it going? And we both started getting teary. And she's like, I don't want to do this. I didn't sign up for this. You know, this is right. too difficult. And he said, okay. And he, we kind of told him where we were. You know, like financially, we were there. I mean, we were there in terms of what we needed to replace. But he's like, wait a minute, you guys are treating this like a sprint. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. This is a long-term deal. And that made us kind of go, and he, and it was him actually recognizing us and saying, you guys are successful. You're doing it. You're, you're doing great. We didn't think we were because we were working so much. So getting that outside perspective, realizing it's a long-term gain was huge. He did tell us, and then I guess that actually did lead to the people because right after that, you got to replace your wife. So get someone else in the field to chase down, you know, all the Mrs. Joneses and the, and the painters and the people that we needed to do business with. So I replaced someone, I replaced her with a great first hire. And I'll never forget it because I got sick the next month because I was working so much, right? So I'm exhausted. I'm on my couch and we worked out of the house at the time. And I remember being like on the couch and like laying there. And I had a project manager come into the house. You know, everybody used to come to the house too. So that was a mistake because it brought work into home. So now all the pressure and tension is there. It's all there. (laughs) It's all there. It's like, great. Oh, good. We never leave. We never stop working. Great. So uh, I was on the couch and I was like, like, like just like just deaf. And I look up and my first sales guy, literally uh, he was handing the job folder. Hey, I just sold this job to my project manager. And I was like, I don't even need to be involved. Like, oh my God, this could actually work. Like I could see this working without me touching it. No. Okay. What's the details of the job? You know, when's it starting? Who's the color? What's the colors? All this, all, all, all. they just handled it. And I literally just kind of laid back like, okay, thank you, God. I think this could actually work. And I got better a few days later, but yeah, I worked myself uh-huh. to, to, you know, to, and which I'm sure a lot of people did too, when they first start, because you're just, you just, you're in like, I, I got to make money. I have to, yeah. I have to, I have to go. And that leads to bad decisions too, though. So I would caution people, you can hire the wrong people. You can hire out of desperation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The the moment, I mean, obviously hiring good people and the outside perspective, both are incredible. I want to touch on them briefly, but the one thing that you said that I want to make sure the listener hears is that there is a moment sometimes, usually actually, is it's a forced moment that removes you. It removes your human frame from the equation. Maybe not your mind, because maybe you can get on a phone call or you can look up from the from the couch, deathly ill, and go, ah, like two cents, you know. But there is that moment, and I can think of the one for me when I opened up a business outside of the city that I lived in. It was my fourth franchise at the time. And I did it very naively. But what it forced my brain to do is what exactly happened in your brain was, wow, what if I'm not in the equation? What if I physically cannot be there? How do I do this? Or who do I need in place to make this happen? And so I think both of those very forced situations, it, 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 the listener is listening right now, they've either had this situation and they go right back to how they're doing it, or they haven't had that situation where they've had to like a kind of external circumstances have removed them from situation. So I would suggest to them that they just leave. <laughs> don't leave. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't actually do that. I'm kidding. But 
in all seriousness, organize or, or facilitate a situation where you are not there and stress test, because that's yeah. how you figure out the points of contention that, that, that really you're handling that you really need to give to somebody else to begin with. And so for you at that moment, sales guy, project manager, it was happening right in front of you. And you was just like this light bulb moment for you. That needs to happen to every listener right now. If they've already had it though, and they went back to being in the mix, like slap on the wrist and like freaking let's go. We got to get the right people hired. The outside perspective, whether it's a coach or your, your consultant, or like you had mentioned earlier, a power group or something like that, that is just huge. I love that opportunity. And then hiring, you said, maybe it doesn't go right. What happens if you hire somebody and it didn't go perfect the first time? What do you do then? Yeah. You look at what, what you hired and where it went wrong. And, you know, early on, you've got to be self-reflective as an entrepreneur because a lot of it, you know, I'll be like, why did they do that? Oh, it's because I trained them that way or I didn't train them. <laughs> like it's it, they literally four fingers back at me. I'm like, okay, I'm such an idiot. Yeah, I, I'm to blame on that. So, you know, you stress people out, you're working too hard, you don't give them clear direction. A lot of it, I mean, a lot of the bad hires are probably bad management, by, but some of the hires definitely were just out of desperation. And, you know, we, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't just hire the right people. So it's probably 50-50. Yeah. All right. Well, let's flip the coin since we've kind of already parlayed into a little bit of a bad choice with bad hires, but what would have been that bad choice that you made maybe early on that you can tell us about that we can, we can learn from. I would say staying on, on track, on focus. So we, we paint people's homes and businesses, other opportunities come up where, you know, it's, it's off track. It's a little bit different Oh, You're going to do a a sign from McDonald's or you're going to, you know, so there's a lot of different opportunities that come your way. And you've got to stay focused on what you're good at because you can get sidetracked and the serial entrepreneur in you can keep coming out. Okay, yes, I started this, but now I'm over here, right? A little bit of the squirrel ADD thing, but you've got to stay focused and keep people on track. I would say that that was definitely a mistake that we made. I think just not being clear with people, we got a PO involved pretty early to get clear job descriptions, clear compensation. I mean, money is always like the you know huge thing that you want to make sure you're clear with people on promises you make. So getting that in writing, getting them to agree to it and getting that signed off before someone starts is huge, but yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are what we would say maybe th- or think of as simple things, but so profound for, for later down the road type trajectory. Like if you, if you get off just a little bit with that, that, that project that doesn't line up exactly, but it's just just a little bit over here, but then the next one, that's a little bit, it's just a little bit further and a little bit further. Yeah. And and knowing what you're capable of. I mean, I think, you know, we would get asked three years into it, I think. And one of the guys in my power group, he's like, what are you working on? I said, Oh, I'm quoting a Sam's club, you know, giant, you know, painting and Sam's club. He's like, what are you doing? And, and he, this hit me hard too. He's like, he's like, okay. Can, he said, can you afford to do the job and not get paid? No. He goes, okay, then stop doing it. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those contracting things. Like you run the risk of not getting paid sometimes. And you know, your risk is, is that, so can yeah. you afford it? And I was like, no, I can't. So, and I stopped working on it because it was over my skis at the time. Now, now we do, we've done five Walmarts now, so we can handle it now, but I'm 10 years in. So I try to tell people as well, because they, they send stuff all the time. People ask me, hey, should I do this? And I just, no, don't, no. If you're even asking, then no. <laughs> yeah, you kind of already know the answer. You know, that, that getting over the skis thing, I think every entrepreneur, they heard you, but they didn't like really hear you. What would you say to the person listening right now who is like, I would have done that, Sam's. Like what, what, like, you're wrestling with that guy who's who's 
you know, maybe in disagreement with you, what would you say to that guy? You know, it's calculated risk. I mean, you would have lost. I mean, if you're, if you're flush with cash and you can not get paid, if that, if you could say, yeah, it's a $95,000 job. And if I don't get paid, I'm still fine. Then sure. Go ahead and do it. But if you have to ask tons of questions, if you don't know the, the quantities that are going to be needed, the specialty paint, you know, that, that glaring, beautiful, like green and blue thing or gray thing that's on the Walmart, that's a specialty paint. It's a two-part epoxy. Like, are you aware of that? You know, do you know how to do tuck pointing to, to, to cover in all the cracks on the side of it? You don't even know what that means? Stop. You're over your skis. But, <laughs> you know, like, so, you know, it's, we try to find stuff that is just like what we do now. It's just maybe bigger. So, you know, and, I, and I've learned, you know, I've gotten, I've gone south on jobs. I push jobs too. So, you know, I, I told the story the other day where we had a job. It was the winter. We were just a couple of years in and it's a big lake house and we're near Lake Lanier and the customer was great, but we couldn't paint. It was, it was cold. We couldn't paint till 10 o'clock. We got done at four o'clock. And what we didn't know is that in the evening, cause we're like, oh yeah, it's, you know, it's about 50 degrees. Yeah, we can paint. It got below freezing and the whole house cracked. All the paint cracked that evening. Come back the next morning, and he's like, "What are you gonna do?" I look at the painter. I guess we're gonna repaint it. So you know, I had to scrape it all off, and you know, it's a mistake you make once. And we were just pushing it because we had to get revenue and we had to, you know, pay our bills. So we just yeah, I think I think the correlation or maybe the the center point to all of that that we just this topic that we're talking about, you said it already, which is desperation. And, and it's so difficult, especially early on, because I mean, let's just be honest, like you're in grind mode, like we just talked about. And so you are trying to, you know, cover the mortgage, you are trying to cover food on the table, like, it's difficult to separate, you know, need from desperation. And I've taught this in sales for many years, even if someone doesn't doesn't even own a business, they're just a salesperson, you have to, you have to so desire to get the deal, but absolutely not need it. <laughs> and it's like, there's this huge conundrum in your mindset as a salesperson or as an entrepreneur where you're like, I will do anything to get this deal, but I do not need it. You know, <laughs> I have to be able to walk away. Oh, and that, and, and that takes faith. And we named our company after, you know, our, our ability to have faith. So we, we actually called it five, four faith. So the five speckers to have faith to, to do this and to realize that yes, this golden opportunity is golden eggs right in front of you. If it goes away, you know what, there's another one right behind it. And I'm, and I'm so glad we're talking about this because literally an hour before this call, I got a call that we lost uh, the biggest contract that in the company's history and nothing at our fault. It's yeah. just a new general manager came in. It was for a big apartment complex downtown, something we don't really do either. So it's like new construction, new commercial construction, spraying apartments. You know, we don't, do, our guys can do it, but our pricing model is not set up for that. So he just called me and I said, Hey, what's going on? I haven't heard from him. The drywallers were there. We were supposed to start painting in the next week or two, but I haven't heard from him. So I knew something was up and he said, Oh, we got a new GM. He fired everybody. He brought in his own guys. I'm embarrassed to tell you, but he hired his own painter. Who's actually charging us more than what you were going to charge. Wow. So, and that was going to get us, you know, quite comfortably through the winter. But so now, you know, but anymore. point of the story <laughs> Well, the, the good part of this, because I'm sitting here going, because he's like, do you want to do the outside still? And I said, let me, give me 24 hours. I, Cause I'm a little bit of a thinker. So I'm like, I haven't even told, you know, the team this yet. So I have my whole team coming at one o'clock, but literally he tells me that I sit down here, I was getting ready for you. And I get an email from my sales manager who's on vacation. And he's like, Hey, we just won the hospital job. So this, mm-hmm. there's a hospital right around the corner from here. We know, you know, 10 people that work there. My father-in-law died there. My employees have kids. You know, we got a real connection to this hospital. My rotary meets there. 
we just got a contract with them to do something. So it's like, God takes away, God gives. That's right. Yeah. I I love, I love how fresh it is. Like, I don't know if you, if the listeners caught that, but you haven't even told your team this, right? And obviously this recording is going to come out weeks later. Your team's going to already know, but right now in this moment, live while we're recording, your team doesn't know it. And you shared it with me, obviously, but with the listeners, it's like, this is what it means right here (laughs) to manage emotion, to manage contracts, to manage people, to manage the up and downs, expectation, faith, like uh, everything that you just said, even the scripture that you just ref- referenced, that he gives and takes away. It's like, there's a, there's this very stark reality of things can change like this in business. And we do our darndest, right? To to put good people in place and to you know have written agreements and, and to build good relationships. But the reality of it is, is that things change. Right before we hit the recording button, I told you that my, some of my real estate companies are pinched right now because- the feds decided to raise rates, not just once, not just twice, but however many times. And it's like scratching my head going, I don't know how to get funds out of those deals right now. Okay. So what do we do? What do we do? And, and this is, this is the reality. It doesn't matter if you're at 500,000 or if you're at 500 million, these are the decisions that entrepreneurs make. So I just so appreciate you sharing that, man. That's just like really raw, vulnerable. I don't know if the listener caught how real that is, but this is like, you're thinking about this right, like right now. <laughs> right now. Yeah. I got to, and, and to your point, I mean, as a leader, they feed off of my emotions. So I've got to be, you know, it's okay. We're going to move on. And my wife, what's funny too, is the journey that my wife is taking because she's not the risk taker. I'm the risk taker. Right. And, and when stuff like this happens now, it rolls off her. Like it's nothing. It used to panic her. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was always like, it'll be all right. And now we've kind of role reversed in a way where she's like, it's fine, honey, we're good. Don't worry. You know, God's got it. Something else will come in. And sure enough, you know, yep. I just get that email you know, from my manager who's in Europe, by the way, he's like, Hey, I just got an email from the hospital. We want a hospital job. Yeah. You know, he knows no idea that we lost the $350,000 job that. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, a big it's- deal, man. It, and, and I love what you said about your wife. Mine, mine, my wife is the same way. There's a lot of, a lot of times where I didn't share because of that. Right. Yes. And, so, but, yes, but now, yeah. yeah, yeah. But now, like you said, it's like a lot of times that there's a strength there because you've just been through the battle together so many times, which is, again, it goes back to whether it's the spouse, whether it's the power group, whatever it's those people that are around you that it's in these moments. Like right now, I even like to think of maybe like this moment, I get to be that person for you. Cause we get to talk about it. You know, like you got to go yeah. like huh, unload <laughs> and then go, okay, let me go back to it. And now I get to serve my team and, and it's all going to be fine. Every, every situation that I can think of where it's been pinched, it's like, look, I'm going to bet on me. I've always bet on me. Yeah. And, and of course there's, there's good people around me. And of course we've got faith that, 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 that there's a, a greater, a greater hand that's, that's guiding, but it's like, look, at the end of the day, I know that I'm going to do what it takes. Like, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. And so when you have that confidence is my point yeah. moments like this come and yes, the heart drops, you, you sweat a little bit, you, you kind of freak out for a, a quick 30 seconds or 30 minutes, whatever. But then you realize like, we're good. And you just, and you just yeah. keep right on trucking. Yeah. No, that's one of some of the advice I got early on was actually from a friend who was not successful, who struggled to start his own business. And he said to me, he goes, why are you worried about being successful as an entrepreneur? He said, you were successful as a, you know, as a corporate guy. He said, you're going to be successful. And I was like, man, because it wasn't just the words. It was like where it came from, from him. And I've watched him struggle and he's been in and out of rehab and I love him to death. It's just, and I, and I thought, wow, you know, that would sometimes words just hit you. And that was one of those words like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess I will be successful, so but 
Yeah, so simple. <clears throat> so profound. All right, I'm going to switch over to our speed round here, Scott. My first question is regarding KPIs. What is the most important KPI, or the way I like to say it is, if you could only pick one thing to track forever and ever, what would it be? Fantastic question. Red traction, implemented EOS a year and a half ago. I have a lot of metrics on that. I would have to pick lead flow. So the amount of people that are calling me, because really that's like the, the big funnel. Once yep. that comes yep. through, it things really happen. So that's probably, you can almost judge my revenue based on the amount of people that call me. Yeah. Spoken like a true marketing guy, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> Everything it, it dries up real quick if, if the funnel doesn't stay full. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What book or resource? You said you're a big reader. So what book would you recommend for, for businesses trying to get off the ground or grow, scale, anything like that? I mean, traction was amazing. That was yeah. huge impact for me. I mean, I'm in the later stages, so I'm looking to really target my time and energy. So I just read the four hour work week was fantastic. Yeah, great book. Because uh, that really got you to focus too. On, you know, if you only had to work four hours a week, what would you actually do? What would you look at those metrics? Yeah. You know, yeah. starting off, I read the E-Myth was good. The E-Myth Contractor has one as well. You know, any kind of self-help book that I just read the Stories That Stick by Kendra Hall, which is fantastic. I'm doing a lot of that now where I'm, trying to build up my story and I'm yeah. being asked to speak and present in different places, which is nice, but I just want to do it well. So yeah. he wrote a fantastic book. I love, and that's, she, she really focuses in, that's actually probably a, new, a good one for, for new guys. Cause it, it has you recount the founder story, how you started your company that everyone always wants to hear that, which is a little bit here too. So just, I remember blogging when I first started, I would just write, cause I would be, you know, awake at four in the morning on the couch and my kids would come down and be like, Dad, why are you up? I'm like, oh, I just, you know, my back was sore. I couldn't sleep. And, you know, mom said I, was, <laughs> I didn't tell him I was up freaking out because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. You know, like, what did I do? But I would blog then. I would, and I would actually write to them about my journey. So what was really crazy is that full circle. So they're older now. One's in college or, or three are technically in college. But my middle one called me one day. He's like, hey, dad, can you tell me a little bit what it was like in the early age? Because he doesn't remember, you know, he was 10 or something. Yeah. So I said, Hey, go read this blog. And he then wrote a paper based on my blog of starting the starting five star, which was pretty cool. That's cool. I've, I've got, I've got a desire to write. There's a lot of things that get in the way and clog me up with that. But what you just said personally, I think was just really, really cool. Cause I love the idea of building my children and I know I'm going to partner with my children not just in life, but in business. And I'm going to partner with my children to raise their children. And, and I can't wait to do business with my grandkids. Like, I know I'm a little weird on that, but like this literally fuels me. And what you just said was super impactful. If, if I just write to them, mm -hmm. it fits in with like my life mission anyway. And so right. that just like took writing just whoop, up on the list for me, which is probably what I needed. That was really, really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, sure. What are your thoughts? We talked about your power group, but what are your thoughts real quick on intentionally networking or masterminding? You talked BNI versus power or mastermind, but like, give us just some thoughts there. Phenomenal. Yeah. Love networking. I grew into it. So it was difficult at first. You got to stand up, give your 30 second. I did present a lot when I was at Nielsen and, and so I was comfortable in front of a crowd, but it did take practicing just forcing myself to do it. I have a theme with the team and we're going to talk about it is, you know, are you comfortable in the uncomfortable or are you, you know, you've got to get comfortable in the uncomfortable and push yourself because that's when you grow. So right. I've been pushing the team to do that lately, but yes, early on, I was not comfortable really standing up saying, Hey, it's, you know, your, your BNI pitch, 
but I did it. I forced myself to do it. And it's like a muscle. You get stronger and stronger with it. So I started with BNI, went to Rotary, been to Chamber stuff. I'm now deep into both Rotary and BNI. went to a different BNI now. But that network, you know, when COVID hit, they were the first people I called. How are we doing? What do you got going on? What marketing's working? They're the people to, that you can cry on the shoulder. You can get ideas from. That's My right. power group within Five Star is worth you know, every penny right now, because we're bouncing ideas, new ideas off each other all the time, you know, looking at slowing down. So, all right, what are you cutting? What are you, you know, what are you doing that apply that you're doing in Cincinnati or Macon or, you know, New Orleans or something that you can apply here that is just great minds. So there's nothing more powerful than the network I've built. I'm in a mastermind group too, not the branded mastermind, but I got in with a CEO group that I yeah. go to monthly and share with them issues. I'm not, you can bring up an issue. Hey, I got this employee or whatever. And then they come up with yeah. different ideas, but I think yeah. it's, it's helped our business grow. It's helped me grow, which has really helped the business grow. That's right. That's good. Okay. Last question, Scott, yeah. <clears throat> if you had a chance to whisper in the younger Scott's ear, what would you say? What age? <laughs> <laughs> good question. You tell me. Oh my God. I would say, you know, I quit drinking when I was 19. Those were some hard times because I was in college. So I kind of distanced myself from a lot of high school friends and I was kind of rebuilding like, okay, who am I going to be? What am I going to be? I would whisper in my ear, it's going to be all right. You're going to have a great life. You're going to meet a great wife. You're going to have amazing kids. Um, and I probably would have, I probably would have breathed a little better. I, I just worked, I worked my th- way through college. I didn't have a, a great college experience. It was okay. Get to work. <laughs> so I, I wore a suit and tie every day in college. It was awful because I, I worked, I had to, I had to work, but, and those were dark. Those were lonely. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't great. I mean, I met my wife young, which was good. So yeah, I would whisper that it's going to be all right. You're going to have an amazing life. That's awesome, man. Really appreciate you sharing. Scott, how can the listener find you, whether they're in Atlanta and they need their business or home painted, or maybe they're just a, a business owner, they want to reach out and pick your brain? Yeah, give us a call. You know, Scott S at fivestarpainting.com is my email, cell phone. I don't know if you give those out here, but um, yeah. yeah, actually I have a new work phone. So um, yeah, 678, I believe it's 283-2717. And yeah, happy to paint your home or business to anybody in the area. That'd be great. That's perfect. Well, you've been incredible. Thank you for sharing just like super fresh, vulnerable stuff. Made it real for us, man. And and we know that we're running alongside someone that's uh, doing the same things that we are. So we just really appreciate you sharing and, and being vulnerable. Blessings to your family, to your to your your marriage, your your business, your team, all of that. We just thank you for being here, Scott, so much. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge 
a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.